So how are we all doing on those New Year's resolutions? Have you broken them already? I have. Uh, <laughs> but tomorrow's another day. Oh, there's a successful person right there. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, how do we stay on the right path? By the way, thank you, Pastor Steve. Wonderful children's story. Uh, good story for all of us. Stay on the right track, on the right path. How do we do that? How do we, more specifically, stay on message? Now, we're, we're supposed to be people with a message, right? How do we stay on message when the world pulls us in so many different directions? And how do we maintain our balance? How do we know which voices to listen to when the loudest voices are not necessarily the most helpful? Is this just a matter of, you know, setting priorities and making resolutions? Is, is that how we stay on track? Is that how we stay on message? Well, perhaps that's part of it. But I wonder, if we could ask Jesus right now, if we could ask him, what is the most important thing that we all need to know? What is that? What would he say? Think about it. Think about it. What is the main topic of Jesus' teachings? What did he teach? What is the core, the essential truth? What's, what's the bottom line, according to Jesus? What is it that Jesus taught from the very beginning of his ministry all the way to the end. There are perhaps a number of ways of articulating that, of summing it up, the gospel. But here's how Jesus put it in Mark 1.15. The time has come. Now, that's important. The time has come come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. There it is. That's the message Jesus had all the way through his ministry. And wouldn't it be great if we had the same message. Now, I know that some will object. And I've heard their objections. Well, you know, we, we have a different message because uh, we have a message for the end time. Uh, we have to proclaim the, the judgment and uh, the end of the world and, and, and how to be perfect during the time of trouble or whatever. And at that point, as far as Jesus is concerned, we are already off message. 
Jesus never said, this bad news of the judgment will go into all the world and then the end will come. He never said that. Rather, he said, and this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The gospel was Jesus' message at the beginning and his message at the end. Now, Jesus didn't always give the good news of the kingdom in the same way. Sometimes he worded it differently. And I, I think we can actually take a, a lesson from that. We all don't have to say it in the same way. Some of our most petty and yet enduring arguments are, you know, sometimes over how do you say it. Jesus didn't always say it the same way. And sometimes he worded it differently. And sometimes he didn't use words at all. He simply healed people, showing that the kingdom had indeed come. Mark 6, 55. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Now just ponder that for a moment. What an amazing thing this is. Jesus, this was at the height of his Galilean ministry. His following was immense. His popularity was at an all-time high. Why? Because he delivered on the promise that the kingdom would come. And the sign of that was that people could come to him for healing and renewal and transformation. And just imagine that scene. Oh, I hear Jesus is in the area. Oh, let's gather up all of our sick friends and relatives and let's move them into, this, into the marketplace and let's put them on cots and, and let's, let's just... Let's pray that Jesus will walk by. And he always did. And then we'd reach out and just touch the edge of his garment and they would be healed. He didn't have to say a word. It was obvious. The kingdom of God had come in the person of Jesus. Of course, not everyone was happy with the good news, even though it transformed lives physically as well as spiritually. I guess the gospel always upsets somebody because it changes things. It's, it's not the normal way that we operate in this world, good news. It's bad news that sells. There's an old saying in the, in the news business. Katura, you know what it is. If it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> That's right. Bad news sells. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's bad news that sells within the church as well. Everybody wants to hear about the bad news of the end time. How are we going to make it through the end? 
And here comes Jesus saying, the good news of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. And that's the sign of the end. But, but good news upsets some people. People take sides and everybody defends their turf. In Jesus' case, his message of the kingdom was not welcomed by people who already had their own kingdoms. The Pharisees, for example, they came all the way up from Jerusalem. And believe me, they stood out in the crowd, kind of like a sore thumb. They, they gave off that vibe of, we are the important people, and we have official business here. Their delegation included the heavy hitters, teachers of the law. They knew the sacred books inside and out, backwards and forwards, and they knew the correct interpretation of the sacred books as handed down by the tradition of the elders. They could easily pick apart a less qualified opponent in any debate. So, inevitably, there would be a confrontation. It would not be a religious argument. It would be political. You see, like today, the terms often sound religious. And it often seems like just a disagreement over the law. But the subtext would be clear. Jesus, according to the Pharisees, must be discredited. He cannot be allowed to influence the population. His good news is not welcome here. So how are they going to attack Jesus? Well, when they got there, they spent some time observing. And they suddenly realized, here's our chance. The disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. Aha! Those great elders of the past, and some of them even in the present, had given very important and significant instructions on how to stay true to the law of Moses. And so they, they had described a a cleansing ritual, a washing before every meal that would keep a person from being defiled or from eating with defiled hands. Now, mind you, this had nothing to do with germs. It had nothing to do with, with health or anything like that. It had to do with ritual cleanliness or defilement. So in Mark 7, 5, we read, So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now, on the surface, this argument sounds rather petty and insignificant. I mean, why would a delegation come all the way up from Jerusalem to Galilee just to pick a fight over washing of hands? 
I mean, really. But this simple opening salvo of the fight that was brewing between the Pharisees and Jesus implied that Jesus and his disciples were not authentically Jewish. Have you ever been accused of not being Adventist enough? I have. Jesus did not hold back. Mark 7, verse 6, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Now, mind you, tradition is not by itself a bad word here. We all have traditions. And at one time, these traditions of the elders were probably very helpful in teaching people about the law, the way to live, and, and how they were chosen as God's people. But by now, they had become simply an entrance exam, a prerequisite. It was setting the bar up at a certain height, so you had to get over that in order to be counted in. And they had set aside the law of God in favor of traditions. Now, the Pharisees probably figured that they could get Jesus off of his message by accusing him of not following the traditions of the elders. After all, the elders were revered by everybody. But of course, to accuse Jesus of not following the tradition of elders was, I think, I think similar to today if you accuse someone of not being patriotic because they don't act a certain way or they don't, you know, believe a certain thing. He was not loyal to God and country like they were. He didn't even belong to the same party that they did. By the way, the Pharisees and Sadducees were not religious groups. They were political parties. Seriously. Uh, when I realized that, I suddenly, the light dawned and I could understand why these simple little arguments between Jesus and the Pharisees took on such immense proportions out of such seemingly insignificant things like tithing little seeds or something like that. Uh, it's because these discussions, to put it euphemistically, these arguments were actually attacks on Jesus. They were in the context of a politically charged environment because, you see, to claim to be Messiah was a political statement. Jesus, however, came right back 
and accused the Pharisees of not following the commands of God. Mark 7, starting with verse 9. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is korban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God for your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like this. What's going on here? Jesus is calling them out for their hypocrisy. They're the law and order people. And boy, they are really quick to condemn anybody that doesn't obey the law, especially according to the tradition of the elders. But as Jesus pointed out, they were very clever at creating loopholes for themselves when it was to their advantage. So in this case, if a client came to them, because... These teachers of the law acted like lawyers a lot. They were experts in the law. So if a client came to them and said, you know, I've got this big savings account, uh, but uh, my my parents are getting older now, and uh, uh, they're going to start making demands on me. Uh, How can I protect my my savings? And they would say, oh, you just, you, you declare it Corban. You declare it devoted to God, and then you can't use it to help your parents. And in the end, of course, it reverted back to their control and use. Thus, they set aside the command, honor your father and mother for the sake of extra cash. Jesus exposed their hypocrisy So, they would say, it's not personal, it's just business. Capitalism over compassion. So, has Jesus gone off topic now? Did he forget to stay on message, the good news of the kingdom? Actually, no. Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is good news, while the kingdoms of the world are bad news. People need to know the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the world. In the kingdom of God, the poor are blessed. People love their enemies, and friends don't judge each other. In the Pharisees' kingdom, the poor are forgotten Family is not as important as money, and judging your brother is the way to political power. Jesus is not just trying to win an argument. He is applying the gospel to real life. He shows that keeping the law and following the church manual means nothing without love, compassion, and faith in the Messiah. Jesus then 
addresses a big concern of the Pharisees, avoiding defilement. What is it that defiles a person? What makes them unacceptable to God? Is it eating with unwashed hands? Is it eating unclean meat? Being unclean or defiled was a big deal. It meant being excluded from the temple, at least for a while. And if a person was continually unclean, like if they got leprosy, for example, it meant banishment for life. To be defiled was to be condemned. So as the Pharisees slink away, Jesus calls the crowds to him. And he explains that a person is not defiled by something outside of themselves. You can't lose your salvation, he says, by eating the wrong thing, touching the wrong thing, or doing the wrong ritual at the wrong time. Things that go into the body do not make a person sinful, Jesus says. What comes out of a person is what defiles. Now, this, this made no, dis, no sense to the disciples and probably made no sense to most of the crowd at that time as well. So a little bit later, the disciples find an opportune moment to ask Jesus. <laughs> he comes back with them and says, Are you so dull that you didn't understand, understand this? And in Mark 7, starting with verse 20, it says, He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So while the Pharisees are talking about avoiding, you know, the appearance of evil, you know, by not touching certain things, by washing hands at the right time, or, you know, eating the right thing, doing the right ritual. Jesus says, there's a much bigger issue going on here. Now we can see why Jesus went after the Pharisees. He had to call them out for promoting evil in the name of the traditions of the elders. Their technical law-keeping was not just benign. It was the cancer of selfishness and arrogance. It was the worship of human purity, perfection, and power. It left untreated the disease that would perpetrate violence, and in fact, it would lead to crucifying the Messiah. Jesus was absolutely on target and was staying on message. 
the hypocrisy of the Pharisees could never be compatible with the kingdom of God. It had to be called out, but more than that, it had to be cured. Only the good news of Messiah's kingdom can cure evil. Only Messiah, Jesus, can heal us of the cancer, of selfishness, the pride of our thirst for power. Only he can remove the defilement of evil that is within us. Only he can give us the message, the good news, the word of life. Jesus doesn't just give us this word. He is the word. He gives us himself. So how do we stay on message in spite of forces inside and outside of the church that would pull us away from the gospel? Simply this, we stay with the message of Jesus. He is our message.